Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice. Welcome today to Building Teams with Teams & Co. Today I'm joined by Nicole Belisle, the co-founder of The Collective Channel. We're really excited to hear from Nicole today because she's launched and scaled eight conscious and sustainable businesses, and she has a focus on conscious leadership as well as uh, working with teams. So uh, welcome, Nicole. We're excited to have you here today. Thanks so much, Thanks. Tracy. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, we wanted to jump into obviously tons of topics around team communication, and building lots of tools. Uh, I know that you have lots of uh, insights into how uh, leaders can uh, immediately take some of the insights they learn here and apply them to their daily life. But first, just want to hear a little bit about you and your background and and the kind of work that you do to give our listeners an idea of, of who they're uh, getting to speak with today. That sounds great. Yeah, I, I started my career at Harvard University, uh, where I got to work with many, many entrepreneurs and executives from around the globe and did a number of educational programs on leadership. And so got to really see, you know, across different cultures around the world, how leadership was manifesting in, in different teams and got to see a lot of what worked, a lot of what didn't work, which is also a blessing. Uh, and so from there, you know, really started to launch my own companies, taking what I had learned, uh, from all those years of watching conscious and sustainable companies grow and found myself in a number of senior leadership positions where I was then running teams. And where I'm at now is that I'm actually, you know, wanting to give back. And so Collective Channel is all about how you put conscious leadership practices into everyday life as a leader and, and how do you really run your teams authentically with vulnerability in order to get more done, more, more becomes possible. I think when we, uh, when we really start to unlock information flow and the authenticity within teams. So that's really the focus of my work now. No, that's awesome. Uh, and, uh, so the listeners know Nicole and I have had a chance to chat before this, and it's wonderful to hear you speak about how you build authenticity. Maybe you could share a little bit of that with our listeners to really, um, help, you know, add some detail. So what is authenticity? How do you bring that to life as a leader and why that's so important for teams? I really see authenticity within work as showing up as your full self. And as a leader, what that really means to me is, is almost full body leadership. So showing up, you know, with, with my emotions as a real live human being and getting to model to my team members that it's it's okay to be a human. I mean, we, at the end of the day, of course, we have operational systems that we're looking to optimize and we have goals that are metrics oriented, but we are also a human system. And if we're not tending to that, and if we're saying to our employees, you can only show up as 50% you and be productive, but leave, you know, leave your emotions, leave your your body and your health for outside of work, then that that just doesn't work long term. And we see a lot of burnout, 
you see a lack of creativity and innovation when people don't feel safe to show up as as their full selves as well. And so I really see a direct, you know, a direct link between authenticity and business results, actually. And and I think it starts with the leader. I think, you know, I think exemplifying that and not being afraid to show vulnerability within your team is a big step for a lot of leaders today. I, I imagine, and I, I think we've all struggled with that at being a leader. How do you help leaders build that authenticity and, and build, become comfortable finding the right balance there, right? Because there obviously, there's always a balance to these things. And, and, and what are some of the ways that you work with leaders to help them build that authenticity at work and, and show up in a, in a real way? So when it comes to showcasing vulnerability at work, what I'm not saying is to show up with your dirty laundry or putting really intense emotions into the room that can actually be damaging and, and triggering even for a lot of people. So you don't want to go so far as to create an unsafe environment or uh, really hurt the psychological safety that you've set up for your team, but you can model vulnerability by showing, you know, showing when you don't know something is a great example. So being willing to admit, I don't have the answer here. I trust that we're still the right people to figure this out and inviting people into a bit of collective intelligence and into a creative process together. So that can be a really humbling one. Um, But ultimately, when leaders trust themselves, so there's a definition of confidence that I really, really love, which is simply trusting yourself. And if you have that type of confidence, you're not so worried about upholding this external image with your team. I think a lot of leaders are, you know, they're human, of course, after all. So they want to be well-liked. They want to be well-received. We're conditioned to think that leadership has to look a certain way, which, you know, in the past hundred years has looked really masculine and has looked really, you know, leave those emotions at home. Don't show up as a, as a full human here. But as we move into a more authentic version of leadership, there's a real opening right now in, in how we structure leadership and, um, and the practices of our teams to, to invite that whole humanness a bit more. Now, that's great to hear. And I think it ties into a, a topic that we often speak about in terms of feedback, which is one of the important things around feedback is following through on feedback. And as a leader, perhaps one of the greatest gifts you can give in feedback and is being honest that we might not be able to do everything, but that collective approach of saying we can't do everything, but what we will agree to is figuring out what are the priorities together, right? And then together as a team, we're going to work towards that. So it sounds a lot like what, what you're approaching it as in terms of, I may not know, but together, hopefully we can find that answer. And, and that's really reassuring because, you know, as a team member, I imagine that builds trust to know, okay, my leader's being open with me and I know where I stand versus wondering, do they really know or do they not really know? Definitely. And it gives them the opportunity because I think I think if we as leaders pretend to know because we think we have to, then we don't leave space for someone's gifts to really shine. And so we might miss that, you know, here's someone on the team if, if psychological safety hasn't been created, they might not feel comfortable or safe to bring that idea forth. And now we've just missed out on perhaps the greatest innovation <laughs> on that project or that product. And so I think 
leaders, you know, leading more from the middle in that way and acting more as facilitators as opposed to a leader on the top who has it all figured out, we can invite even more creativity. Um, and that ultimately, you know, I think does come back to the bottom line and to business metrics. That's great. And it, it sounds like authenticity is really your basis and your foundation as you as you approach communications with the team. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about as you're thinking about communications, it's it's something we speak about often here at Teams and Co. And even a few of our podcasts have been around building communications, whether it's with our customers or our clients. And so we love to hear about how other organizations are also building that communication flow and those feedback loops. Beautiful. Yeah, this is so, so important. And I think that over the years, I've really come to see the role of the leader as unlocking information flow and building those communication channels with the team so that you're not missing those opportunities or when when something's going wrong, people do feel safe to bring it to you. So when it comes to unlocking those communication flows, you can do it structurally, right? So you can do it in the, the design of information flow on your team. That can be through meetings or really key checkpoints. It can be through you know strategically placing board meetings uh, across a, a, a given calendar year. But the, the human element of unlocking information flow is, is where that authenticity and, and trust factor comes in. And so I like to build authentic communication, not only with team meetings, but also with one-on-ones whenever I can. And of course, it depends on the size of the team. You know, maybe you can only have one-on-ones with department heads uh, rather than every single person in, you know, on your team, right? Right. But, uh if you if you have those those open channels and if you ask the right questions, I think you really start to unlock things. Cause I, I also am a firm believer that when we ask really innovative questions, we start to get really innovative answers. So I am I've become known on my teams for asking questions that are a little bit atypical even. And so instead of asking, you know, how are you, I might ask you know, tell me, tell me what you really need here. You know, what, what do you need? How can I help? And so there's that service leadership mentality. Um, Or, you know, another, another example of a question is instead of tell me what you're working on lately, it could be, tell me what you're learning lately. And and what are the edges that you're brushing up on? Are, do you feel fully resourced to be able to take this into its full potential? And, and it just gets the wheels turning in a really interesting way. And people bring the information to you that you might not have otherwise unlocked, you know, if we just stay in the typical, you know, more traditional questions. So questions, check-ins is another uh, tactic that I really like at the beginning of of meetings, whether it's in a group or one-on-one, you know, what is that check-in question that lets them know Ah, I can really show up as as a, a whole human here, and I can drop in and be reflective, and see where I'm really at. And here's a leader that cares about that too, so that I, you know, I feel life being given rather than life being taken by this organization. And I think that's really important for, you know, for people staying with the company long term and just feeling really energized by the work. 
Now, that's great to hear. We actually had a guest who also spoke about check-ins. And one of the things that we, you know, both heard and, and I think we I've heard in other organizations is finding the right balance, right? Like, do we have to start every meeting with a check-in? What happens if the team says, okay, we're kind of done checking in today. We, we've had four meetings in a row together. Can we, can we be done checking in? Like, um, you know, we're, we're connecting a lot, but we're also missing connection points. How do you find that balance as we're all kind of maybe struggling through um, different levels of connectivity and trying to find the balance between the connection points, the informal, the formal communications? It, it's a lot coming at us, right? Yeah, especially these days, like you said. And so, I mean, the check-ins, they have to be sort of purpose appropriate, right? So in a, in a meeting, if we're coming together to be really tactical and focus on tasks, I like to, instead of asking an emotional-based question um, that would have someone really look at their, you know, their inner environment, I like a check-in called red, yellow, green, where people are just giving a color, to describe where they are. You know, red would be, I've got way too much to do. I'm overwhelmed. I'm blocked on something maybe. Yellow, you know, doing okay, but kind of reaching towards my limits. And then green, I'm resourced. I've got capacity. And so that still gives you a quick read of where your team's really at. So who are the players that you can lean on a little bit more that week or within that project and who's struggling and maybe maybe a follow-up is needed. Maybe a one-on-one -on -one check in is needed to dive a little bit more into that red. Um, another sort of shortened version of a check-in that I really like is just the one word check-in. So what's one <laughs> word to describe how you're feeling? And, and that'd be really nice too. And you get people bring humor into that and that kind of softens the mood, but you're totally right. If it's the same team meeting multiple times in a day over zoom, I think, you know, at some point the check-in becomes too much and you might start your first meeting with that, but maybe not continue into the rest. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree. I, I always do love it when when folks bring humor into to the meetings and, and kind of lighten the mood. And I love the red, yellow, green. We use that a lot on goals. And as we talk about team goals and as a way for, you know, team members to highlight to your point when they might be needing more resources or more support or when they're pretty good and they're on track and I like it just as a regular check-in to maybe a stand-up meeting. Uh, it seems like a quick way to to understand where where the team might be at any given point. So, great great tool there. You know what's interesting about the uh, the sort of abbreviated check-ins as well is is you you want to you want to build a container for vulnerability and authenticity, and the check-in does a great job of that. But it's also very practical in the sense that it's it's a read on your team and it's and it's a signal right so you're both building psychological safety and getting a clear signal uh, on the human system that is your team at the same time so i just i love tactics that are multi-layered like that if i if i can be doing both of those things through one simple activity at the start of a meeting great you know on to the <laughs> next thing no, that's great. I was actually going to follow up in a similar vein as it seems to me as a leader, it's a great way to know who you should follow up with too, right? So if you're if you're kind of going through a meeting and to your point, one or two of your team members say, hey, we're red, we're full, we're at capacity, you have a very clear next step in terms of following up with them one-on-one -on -one and saying, how do I help? How do I get you the things you need, right? And it becomes really reassuring to them because they're like, oh, 
I asked for help. I got the resources that I need. Or I mentioned I was needing some more support and my leader called me right after that meeting and, and talked me through it. So it, it's a nice indication where you, you're really clear on your follow-up steps as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that really builds trust, right? So it's, it's amazing. You know, it, we can both reallocate the resources because we've gotten those signals from the check-in and we can be building trust in that follow-up. So, you know, again, it's like those dual ingredients in just one simple activity. Yeah. And even opportunities there, I, I, we talk a lot about goals and IDPs in terms of developing team members and I think it'd be a great tool there too, right? Because if somebody says, hey, I'm green this week, I I feel pretty good, my tasks are on target, that might even be a great time to remind them, remember, we have this IDP, you said you wanted to develop in X, Y, or Z, is is now the right time for us to add that project, right? If you're feeling pretty good about your workload, is now the time that we help you develop the skill that you you know expressed interest in? And I think all of those different kind of meters give you a point in time for as a leader to say, oh, we might be ready for X, Y, or Z, or I might be able to support in this different way. And so it's a nice ongoing conversation with team members as they go through the different phases, because obviously we all go through those phases in any given day, week, month. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. And it, another example there of of having your team members really feel heard, right? So if you're remembering that they did have that development area that they want to work on or they've maybe expressed that they have a real passion for some piece of your company or of, of, you know, product development. And now they have this capacity. It's like, wow, what a, you know, what a good time to revisit that, show them that you've really heard them and invite them into their own potential. And so I, yeah, I love what you just said there. You, um, you mentioned there's a a bunch of different meetings that you have. So you mentioned one-on-ones and you mentioned weekly team meetings and how do you kind of think about, we speak often about communication cadence and what's the right cadence of communications and what are the right topics to talk about at different meetings, right? There's, and I think you even just said this yourself, which is there's different things you might bring up in different meetings. Obviously a one-on-one conversation is very different than a team conversation. So maybe you can share with our listeners to give them a different perspective of how, how you think about communication cadence, what you see as the role of different kinds of meetings, if there's, you know, unique meetings that that you and your team help organizations build out just to get specific information, would would love to hear hear more about how you approach it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I've, the cadence that I found that seems to work best, at least in the teams that I've run, and in the teams that I mentor uh, founders to run We've we've really adopted the TechStars model. And so TechStars is, you know, one of the leading accelerator programs on the planet for startups. And they, I mean, <laughs> companies go in being worth nothing, right? And they come out three months later and they're some of them are worth millions of dollars. And so this is this is the cadence that um that I picked up there, but then added conscious leadership practices to. And so we basically follow a, you know, in a given week. We start on Monday with what's called an ops review or an operations review. And that is just, it's really, really simple. There's only three agenda items in that meeting. One is a check-in question. Two is pulling up your OKR spreadsheet to look at key metrics that each department or each person has been responsible for. And that gives either the department or the person a chance to report out on progress uh, from a metric standpoint 
for the week prior. So they're coming in, reporting on progress uh, in a in a real metrics oriented way. And then thirdly, they're reporting out on their P1 for the week. So their their number one priority. It's it's the thing they can't fail at. It's the thing that is going to have the highest ROI on their energy input and get you the closest to, you know, the most important goals that you have as an organization. So, you know, and as a leader, right, you, you can always give feedback and kind of help massage that P1 by asking really good questions to refocus the team and really get at, you know, are these are these really the P1s? Are these really the the right things to be focusing on at the right time? Because it's, you know, as much about focus as it is about timing as well or, or sequence. So I really love the ops review as a way to start the week. It's it's a very tactical meeting. So people show up having done their homework, having already filled out the OKR dashboard. And as a leader, I really set that expectation with the team as well. So I, you know, I hold it at 10 a.m. time and, you know, they they have conditioned the data that I then need to flow into my week and make really good data-driven decisions as a leader. So that. That's the ops review. Sorry, just quickly before you jump off the ops review, I just want to make sure yeah. that all of our listeners are kind of on the same page. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how what an OKR is and how you would lay that out together as a team or as an individual, just to make sure we all are on the same page about what that piece entails. Great. Yeah, great question. So OKRs are objectives and key results. And the way that our OKR dashboard looks is that we have uh, quarterly objectives that are are almost the vision for the quarter, right? And so we might have a you know a customer experience focused objective for that quarter, but then underneath that objective, you have key results that are are measurable. So. In terms of building that customer experience, you know, is it is it that I need more customer listening phone calls? Is it that I need to prototype with X number of customers in in that quarter to make sure I I have product uh, customer fit? So it, those KRs can be whatever levers actually get you to that that objective, um, and so typically. That when I run ops reviews and run teams, each department has an OKR that they're laser focused on for the quarter. And then we break it down into months and then we break it down into weeks. And so when they're reporting on their OKRs, they're reporting on the weekly metrics that then flow into the monthly and the quarterly and then annual. And so it's it's a great way to, you know, even if you get the metrics wrong the first time around and you think, this is the lever that I need to pull for that result. You'll learn so much about what those levers are just by having people report on them. And then, you know, together realizing, ah, when we, when we pulled that lever, we didn't actually get that outcome. We, so, so what is it in our strategy that is really needed here? Um, so in my experience, you know, OKR dashboards can be really messy and really difficult at first. And so in those first two or three months, if you give this a try, don't be discouraged because this is hard stuff. But when once you figure it out and you really figure out those drivers of your business and have a team that is orchestrated around that, it's that's where the real momentum starts to build. Now you're in a flywheel of momentum and almost unstoppable. 
Now, that's a great reminder for everybody. I think um, oftentimes we get discouraged if we set a goal and we don't meet it, but often that's actually the indicator that maybe we just set the wrong goal and it was a learning experience, right? So, and it's okay. Exactly. And that you learn just as much from setting that that goal than you would have if you set a different goal and achieved it. And so I think it's great advice to kind of just take it slow and uh, don't get discouraged from setting goals, but just take all that information as learning. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but I interrupted you. So you have your ops meeting kind of to kick off your uh, kick off your week. And I appreciate you taking a step back for all of our listeners to dive into OKRs. But what else does the week look like, you know, after Monday and you have your ops review, then you where do you go? From there, I, you know, I hold one-on-ones with the, with key team members. Maybe they have teams of their own, right? But I want to really have those personal relationships. I want to be able to call those people up on the phone and have that type of rapport and understand, you know, where they're wanting to develop their skills, what really matters to them, how they see their own department evolving or improving. And so it's it's a chance to really build out some self-management or autonomy with them as well. And so I really show up as a service leader in those settings and and we sync on you know, how, how can we unleash them to their greatest potential in their current role? And as, you know, as the leader of their department. So those are always really meaningful, um, meaningful meetings. The, the other meeting that I find to be really important, um, as a way to break down a silo that is really common in companies is a smarketing meeting, which you may have heard of. And so, I like the name already. <laughs> yeah. I I think I first heard of, of that term from HubSpot, but I, you know, immediately was like, yes, like that is what we're actually doing here. And so bringing the sales team in the same room as the marketing team, it could even be a 15 minute stand up. It doesn't have to be a long meeting, but in this marketing meeting, you've basically got marketing filling in sales on what they're doing to fill the funnel so that sales is ready for, you know, for that inflow. Or if, you know, say there's a big launch and there's not, you know, there's not a ton of active leads coming in because you're building towards something bigger in the marketing department. Well, maybe that's a great week for sales to go do a lot of customer listening or, you know, following up or uh, upselling customers. And so if those two departments are really synced and aligned around common KPIs or OKRs, right? So if, if, if your, you know, marketing team has a shared OKR, now they can innovate together rather than feel like two sides of, of the same coin, but sometimes in opposition. Um, and so that has become a really key meeting in a lot of companies that I've run where that I came in and that silo was really prevalent. And then this meeting really helped to ease that. That's awesome. And I, I love the term smarketing. I am. I've led sales teams in marketing and had lots of these meetings, but never named them that. And I'm, I now feel like I missed my chance. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a fun name. It makes people want to show up to the meeting when it kind of has that, you know, that comical name. If nothing else, you kind of want to know what's happening at the meeting because you're like, well, this is a new meeting. Let's exactly. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know who who's there and what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And I think this all goes to kind of a lot of the a lot of the building on the theme that you mentioned, which is unlocking that information flow. And 
And we agree. We we often kind of talk about it in terms of the racy model or who you need to keep informed. And do you have those, you know, um, meetings with the other teams, right? So sales, marketing, ops, you know, so that way ops knows that, hey, we're, we're doing a big promotion. We should probably be ready as well because we're going to have to fulfill a lot of orders. And so it's it's a great idea. And I, I think it's one that um, if nothing else, you have a much better name for it than, uh, than, we, than we've been <laughs> mentioning. What are some of the other ways? I mean, we've talked about kind of formal communication cadence. Um, are there other ways that you help leaders unlock this information flow? Are there other approaches that you take to say, okay, I, maybe I have, I feel like I have a good meeting cadence and I feel like I've got good feedback loops with my teams and they have goals and we, we meet and talk about them. What, what would you do with an organization like that? How do you approach the kind of next level unlocking of information, so to speak? Yeah. So once you really have that meeting cadence, you can have a lot of fun with the informational systems for internal communication, right? So whether, and really the main way that I think about this is, is how to support that through technology. And this will look different for every team. Some teams that I've run have used Slack and really liked that over email. Um, one, one method that I currently use, and it, this has really stuck with me over the years, is using either Miro.com or Trello to create what's called a Kanban board. And this is, this is basically a way to, to visually see where work is in a workflow. And it's, I think, originally a Japanese workflow management uh, tactic. But all it really is, is, you know, these different columns of, of work where you have, you know, you have your backlog this month, this week, today, doing, pending, aka blocked, and done. And so on Trello, you have all these little task cards that you can create and you can just drag and drop them all throughout the workflow. And so this can be incredible to build trust and build a camaraderie around workflow. If people know that their workflow is is visible to others, there's a sense of pride, right? It's like, it feels yeah. great to move something to the done <laughs> column. And if someone else has a, has a card in the pending column, and you see that and you're like, oh, shoot, I'm the one blocking that. Like, let me unstick my teammate so that they can move that into the done column. And, you know, and Miro is just it's another great platform that that lets you do a Kanban board. It's one of their templates. Um, and I'm, I think they're free, but uh, Trello is certainly free. So I've used that. You know, you can create different boards for different teams or projects or have a company wide one. And that's been one of my favorite ways to just give visibility, because I think that's really key in unlocking even more communication flow. If you have a tech platform that lets people just have visibility into what's really moving, then you don't have to waste time getting the updates, right? Like you can just see the information and that can be really helpful. Yeah, it makes me think that it's much more uh, satisfying than just your regular to-do list on a post-it note. I mean, once you get to move yeah. it, you, you get an extra sense of satisfaction. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I also love the fact that you can you can see where you potentially might be blocking one of your team members or vice versa, right? And I think that to me, it sounds like it might end a lot of those conversations that 
none of us enjoy being in, which is kind of like, oh, I'm waiting on this from so-and-so, right? Like that inherently exactly. feels like a weird conversation. And so if it's all just visible and out there and we're all checking in with it regularly, it's like, oh, yeah, you are waiting on me. That's fine. I'll just do that. And then I'll move it. And it kind of streamlines all of those communications versus um, having to wait for the meeting to say, hey, do you have time to do X or Y or Z? Um, so it sounds like a great way to kind of just collaborate and keep things moving in the background and not have to maybe use valuable in-person meeting time on those kinds of, you know, kind of tasks and check-ins almost. Yeah. And I think we we could all benefit from less meetings. So. <laughs> that might be the statement that most listeners agree with that right there. If we had like, <laughs> if we had a rating system for like the most popular things said, I think everybody yeah. would get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, that's an amazing one. So, I mean, Nicole, this has been great. And I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you today. Um, are there other things kind of before we wrap up that you would think are really important to share with our listeners or anything that I've missed that, you know, you'd, you'd like to be able to highlight today? I think the only other piece that is worth mentioning is, you know, to think about the different types of information that you're unlocking. So, you know, we, we talked about workflow, we talked about, you know, emotional blocks to a certain extent through, through the one-on-ones and just getting a sense of when people in themselves are blocked, right? They they maybe don't have the confidence to move forward on something or there's some, you know, some sort of human element that's keeping the work from moving. But the another type of information that I think is really important is learnings. So, how do we how do we harvest learnings because, you know, especially in a fast moving company and in an, you know, a, a more rapid world that we live in right now, how do you keep evolving and and make sure that you're not missing those learnings? You want to integrate those. So so the the other meeting that I really, really love is uh, is what's called the retro. And so this is one that's held at the end of the week. And all it is, like there are different versions of this out there, but the way that I run it is you do I like, I wish, and what if. And so you just get everyone on the team, you know, with post-its or, or a notebook and 10 minutes on the clock and you just, you just brainstorm. And then each person has a chance to be heard and shared, you know, share what they liked about the week. So these tend to be successes or novel things, uh, things, things that they learned. I wish is maybe where we missed the mark. And, you know, I wish this would have been differently. It's kind of a reframe on what didn't work. Right. And then what if is where innovative thinking starts to to come in. You know, what if we updated this process or what if we did customer listening this way? Or, you know, what if we invited a customer to the board meeting or whatever it is? And then you as a team can look at those learnings in especially in the what if column and figure out what do I want to bring into next week? You know, of these ideas, what do we actually want to try? test or just straight up implement if we, if we're all, you know, kind of on board that this is a good idea. So, um, yeah, I would just, I guess, encourage listeners to think about the different types of information that you as a leader need and make sure that your operation, uh, your operations and your human systems allow for all types of information to be flowing among the team and certainly to you, especially for the decisions that you need to make. 
Yeah, and the great way that you're framing that in terms of like, I liked, I wish, and what if is it's really positive and it's about all the possibilities versus potentially being like, we just shouldn't do this thing, right? It's like, maybe we learned we shouldn't do it in this particular way, but what if we did it in this different way? And the spin there, I think, keeps that brainstorming and that team feedback loop alive versus, you know, shutting down the conversation, which, you know, could be less than helpful in these kinds of situations, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm sure after this conversation, our listeners would love to learn more about Collective Channel. So maybe you could just share with us how people can get in touch with you, how they can maybe follow you on social media. Of course. So in inviting anyone who wants to check out Collective Channel to head to collectivechannel.com. We have a free resource library of all sorts of leadership tools and practices, templates even, and uh, some upcoming leadership courses on there. And if you want to check us out on social media, we, we're always posting tools to that as well. Um, even, you know, leadership meditations and all kinds of fun stuff. So we are just at Collective Channel on Instagram and I'm at Nicole Belisle if you want to follow my, my other work as well. And so, uh, yeah, it's just been such a pleasure, Tracy, and, and thank you so much. No, thank you. We really appreciate your time and sharing all these wonderful ideas and insights with us. We will definitely post all that information in the show notes too. So if you didn't get a chance to write that down as you're listening, don't worry. You can come back and reference it. Um, and again, Nicole, thanks so much for the time. And, and we look forward to maybe having you on again in the future and getting an update about all your wonderful work. So thanks. Thanks so Great. much. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.